0: barbie considering the performance considering all of the recent flops there's no way that there's not going to be a sequel there's not going to be like a tv series spinoff of some way some kind and then of course all of the other fucking knockoff movies that are going to be similar to barbie but not barbie but still have those fundamental elements that studios believe are what put audiences in the theaters Right. So, with this kind of performance, with what you're seeing, fundamentally, even if there are these political elements that people are saying, oh, this movie is so horrible because of this, this, right? I still believe that there's such a massive audience that those political whatever might be in there are not going to be significant enough to damage the brand. No. You know, I don't think it will. No, not even close. You know, so. So anyway, um, uh, but we didn't watch Barbie, did no. we? No, we sure didn't. <laughs> no, we watched something much more up our alley. Exactly. And speaking of up our alleys, hi, I'm Brad. I'm Chris. And welcome to, what is our show? The, the HPV. <laughs> I, I, of course, HPV? I had to say it like I'm 80. The HPV. The HPV show. Where we <laughs> watch know. bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. Good try. Well, thank you thank you thank you so
1: brad you fucking enigma (laughs) why what do you mean my dear friend well uh, throughout the course of this you've made me watch an
0: old disney sean connery movie which was brilliant i still am perplexed you didn't like it
1: no uh you made me watch (laughs) a movie from the 30s
0: yes the thin man awesome movie
1: You've made me watch actual movies for this. I mean, you pulled the real Chris on this one. Made, <laughs> it made me watch 1995's Mortal Kombat. Yes. And, and I can't thank you enough. <laughs> You're welcome. Because it has been at least a year since I've laid dun- 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 eyes on this. And, oh boy, <laughs> it's always
0: just a treat. <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? I mean, late 90s, right, when it came out? Late 90s. 95, early two- 95 came out. Okay. Dead on. In the middle. I don't even know for certain if I saw this in the theater. I think I might have. Just, you know, cuz it was college. I was really fucking stoned every fucking day. So, I might have seen this in the theater. I don't quite remember, but what I do remember is once the credits rolled, I was like, "This movie's fucking awesome." Uh-huh. I can't believe there, you know, from a video game, you were able to extrapolate this wonderful action movie and incorporate the elements of the game still make your own story have special effects that were pretty good for the time and It's dumb, but it's fantastic. I fucking love this movie.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And like I was kind of saying while we were watching it, this is like the Brussels sprouts of movies. (laughs) It's had a real resurgence in people going like, actually, you know what? It's pretty good.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what? I hate Brussels sprouts, so I can't make that comparison. You're a fucking fool. But... I
1: have some Brussels sprouts in the house.
0: Yeah, I saw that. I was appalled. I I stepped away from them the moment I saw them. Son of a bitch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this has had a huge resurgence in people looking back. Back at it and going mm-hmm. well you know what maybe we were a bit harsh on it because and here's the thing brad and i think yeah. you and i have talked about this a lot before yeah sure cinema is great but sometimes you just want to watch a fucking movie
0: yeah yeah sometimes this, you don't want to think about it you just want the spectacle
1: and this might be one of the all-time classic i just want to put on a fucking movie that yep. i can stare at and go ha
0: yeah, exactly. And it's got payoffs in it. There's happy endings. It's got a cliffhanger. I mean, there are things, elements that are essentially considered fundamental in terms of screenwriting, in, in terms of what do you do to structure beat by beat, scene by scene to keep things moving, you know, keep the audience interested. There, there's no real, I'll say this, I forgot how long the opening set up was with getting everybody together on the boat
1: but still i in the film's defense i will say none of that is slow right because it's so fucking weird and interesting (laughs) that you can't help but stare at it and go what the fuck is this
0: yeah and they need that time because this is the introduction of multiple characters yep so that time is necessary but it was interesting how once that whole thing was done Basically, we get to the island, we've got the tournament, everything just keeps Yeah, this movie moves, keeps moving. man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's
1: very good pacing, and honestly, I don't really have anything bad to say about this no. film at any whatsoever.
0: <laughs> it's goofy. This is why I brought it out. It's,
1: it's goofy and it's dumb. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I don't like it or that it's bad. It is 100% a popcorn flick. And I think we need more of these. Because, oh, I absolutely agree. Because, and here's the thing, they incorporate like magic and almost superhero-y elements, yeah. but not to the point where it's so fantastic that I don't give a shit who wins. They're, right. They're yeah.
0: still actually fighting, yeah. movie fighting, but fighting nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But let's also acknowledge here, while there was magic, <laughs> while there was special effects and things like that that took place... There were also um, practical effects. I mean, the choreography, a lot of the fight choreography was done wide. Sure, there was some uh, fast editing and things like that. But there were also elements where the frame held on the choreography as they went through it. So, you know, I thought overall um, it was a pretty well... Pretty well structured in terms of an action movie. You know what I think part of it is, too, is that we can look back on these movies and say, you know what, they really weren't that bad. First of all, I think, yeah, maybe there's a bit of nostalgia involved in that. But I also think it's... um, Seeing people do stuff. Actually do stuff. It's a mark of how the quality of movies have gone down. Because we see so many of these digital effects, these practical effects. I mean, these people were on an actual island. You could tell. Now, the effects were not so great that you could not distinguish. Oh, well, obviously, that's an effect. That's not a real... you know, uh, is, sky in the background that's there. It's not
1: a real reptile man who's yeah. <laughs> slithering around. We yeah. get it. It's fine. If, yeah. it, if, if that's the thing that takes you out of this film, then good luck being a fucking pretentious asshole. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Because the thing, again, you know, this movie, one of the reasons why I like it is it is a blend of early, what would be considered early technology. But at that time, it was still pretty much top-of-the-line technology, so you see how they're compositing things together, but the majority of what was done, practical stunts, practical effects, actual fight choreography that's not hidden through a bunch of editing, uh, I mean, all of those elements were there. I think, basically, we were spoiled back then with the quality of movies, so when we saw something that had these fundamental flaws in them, at that time, it was easy to say, oh, that movie sucks, but now... It's like, oh, fuck, yeah, give us more like that, because what's coming out now sucks balls, dude. Yeah,
1: because they're walking past a digital... They're walking on a green screen past mm-hmm. a statue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, not in Mortal Kombat. They're walking past a giant fucking statue.
0: Yeah, When Johnny Cage When
1: Johnny Cage fights fucking Sub-Zero and that mm-hmm. rickety-ass set-up. Dude, when Johnny Cage... That, that is fucking set deck right there, and it looks fucking phenomenal. Cheesy? Exactly. Sure, it looks like the movie cost $18 million in nineteen ninety, <laughs> Which... It sure does.
0: Yeah, and even then, that's not a major blockbuster budget. No. no. $18
1: million? Mm, but that's you know mid what? to low, then. Someone fucking built that, and they built it real fucking cool. And the most important thing, somebody came in and lit it
0: yeah they lit it well to where it
1: looked cool yeah like artists do
0: yeah or did yeah exactly so so when johnny cage does his gymnastic swings on this rickety platform the platform is swaying with his weight so there had to be moments during the choreography early when they were first figuring it out when they were like are you sure this platform is going to be... Yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Because the way that thing moves, there's no fucking way they would let an any actor onto a set like that now. And be on that kind of a rickety platform doing those kinds of swings and stuff with no wires. Dude, no. Th- it would not happen these days, no, you know? Even
1: just the minor shit, like uh, when the one... Uh, well, I'll say ninja for lack of a better term. Yeah. Is it Liu Kang? Where he does the uh, back handsprings down a ramp.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And just something dude. little like that. And you're like, oh, yeah, people used to do stuff in movies. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. rules. Yeah. And that that actually is a perfect example because that warrior guy has a red scarf on his head. He's a uh, bunch of beefcake. And he's got black pants. I point that out because all you need is one of those guys. You... Digitally scan them, put them in the system, and then you can circle the whole arena with those guys. Which means if you want a guy to do flips like that down a ramp, you just digitally insert the guy doing it and it's done. No, this guy actually (laughs) had to figure (laughs) out. He did a flip. (laughs) Yeah. Uh huh. And not just, I mean, it's not like he did a no hands springing flip. Two feet up, lands on his feet. No, he's doing cartwheels on a, on a, it's got to be at least a 25, 35 degree angle plane that he's going down. So he has to know where to place his hands so that he can control his legs going over his body to complete the
1: flip. Yeah. I mean, dude. Because his, his hands are not landing where they ordinarily would when doing a back hand spring on flat ground. He exactly. has to compensate
0: for, oh, it's going to be six inches lower. Don't fall on my fucking noggin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one hand is going to be roughly six inches higher than the other one when they impact. I'm going to have to compensate for that because this flip, I've got to land on my feet because I'm literally launching myself into another flip off the fucking ramp off the camera. I mean, dude, stunts like that, that dude should have been paid, I mean, at least three to five times above rate just to be doing the ridiculous choreography that they had him doing in that set. You know what I mean? You're talking about a skill set. You don't just crawl out of bed and start doing that stuff. That's a lifetime skill set, you know. And just talking about not skimping on set decoration, Mm -hmm.
1: you notice this. When they're all getting to the boat... How many different people are just fucking welding something... Oh, yeah. ...on this bridge and boat? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk... Fill the screen. Make something happening. There's an
0: empty space there. Why do we have an empty space there? Make sparks. Exactly. Let's talk about set design. Let's talk about artistic design. Let's talk about uh, film composition. All of that stuff. Because, effectively, a comparable scene today is going to be, oh, they'll walk out on a pier and we'll light a couple of spaces so that there's some depth, that sort of thing. What they were doing in this movie was specifically identifying areas of shadow that would fall into darkness and be disinteresting. And so to make them interesting, instead of putting just a light source there like, you know... um Some sort of street lamp or something like that. No. They got guys with fucking... uh, What do you call that? Sandpaper or whatever it is. And they're sitting there making metal shaving sparks in like five or six different areas all over this. For no reason, sure. But... (laughs) No reason other than it looks cool. Yeah. And it looks cool, Yeah, man. So you've got all of these different points where okay, the actors are walking, they're doing their little dialogue, they're doing their little comedy, but they're not just stuck on a dark pier, like, say, oh, the Ben Kenobi series, where everything's in darkness and you can't see a fucking thing, right? I mean, just as a modern-day example in terms of how poorly lit some of these some of these shows are, and granted, we're talking about a Disney series versus a movie made in 1995, but the larger point is areas of light and composition this movie in 1995 had these guys with these fucking belt sanders that are creating these welding sparks or whatever they are that are flying off looks great so uh yeah composition design this movie this movie for me uh hits all the marks it needs to when
1: they get to uh shang Tsung's island and they're sitting down for that initial feast yeah Those are tables full of actual, if not food, at least what looks like food.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: 50 to 60 huge dudes come in and just start turning over tables. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a real thing that they just did
0: one day at work.
1: Yeah. it's, It's fucking awesome, man. Yeah.
0: I mean, I was saying this during the movie, but moments like that. And um, like these fights that these guys get into, like the scaffolding fight, or, you know, the Goro fight, or name your fight, right? The main point here is, when do you have an opportunity in real life to actually participate in something as outrageous a spectacle as this? The movies, the movies are the only place where you can have this and, and have an audience accept it as a reality, because it's a, a piece of entertainment and escapism, you know? It's it's just such, um, Yeah, like to within, me, this is what movies are about.
1: Like, within the first ten minutes, we see a guy with a half-metal face and a big red laser eye. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take this for what it is. If you're going to be a stuck-up prick and try and point out plot holes, again, yeah. we just saw a sorcerer talking to a man with a partially metal face and a laser eye.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Fucking check right. Check your fucking pretension at the door and enjoy the fucking movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is not a movie that you should expect to uh, be nominated for Oscars. This is not anything, especially when you know the source material is literally just a video game where the whole story based is on... told in the background and everything that you do literally is just fight people. That's all it is,
1: right? i us say it's a movie based on a video game based on a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Mortal Kombat, notoriously,
0: obviously, based on blood sport, it's
1: right. pretty much blood sport. The yes, video game. Yes, that's
0: right. Oh yeah, fuck yeah! Great observation. Yep, yep. So, so here we have it: where essentially um, a movie and a game that were all about uh, a tournament is turned into this glorious, mystical, magical spectacle called Mortal Kombat. They did Mortal Kombat Annihilation. We gotta watch that one, dude. And
1: here's the thing, too. And mm-hmm. I will say, in Mortal Kombat's defense, I don't know a whole lot about the entire game series. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that, like the newer games, uh-huh. they will have like long, like ten minute cutscenes. Like they really actually oh, yeah, care yeah. about their lore. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, keeping definitely. it, it's silly, sure, but keeping it somewhat cohesive mm. throughout that. And I. Just as a nod to Mortal Kombat, the original property, Uh they are actually trying. Yeah. Whether anyone gives a shit is another matter. Yeah, that's another
0: question, yeah.
1: But But, at least they're putting in the work.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'll say this, too, um, because I was thinking about this during the movie, and uh, since we were talking about lore and backstory and stuff, I remember when Mortal Kombat, um, when the game first came out, Right. Yep. And uh, I was playing it on
1: Sega Genesis, baby. I was
0: just going to say, was it Sega Genesis? I, that's yeah. what I had it on. Yeah, I believe that's what it was. But, uh, but at any rate, I got up one morning before everyone else. I was, um, I was uh, staying with some friends of mine at the time. They just happened to have this system, and I didn't want to wake anybody up. So I put the game on easy mode, and I just started from the beginning. Right? Did you do the uh, ABACABB? The blood cheat? No, because I wasn't aware of it at the time. No. But had I been aware, you better believe I would have done that. Fuck yeah. But, so, um, through the first, say, 20 minutes of gameplay, I'm, like, figuring out the characters and all of that, right? And then I figure out Liu Kang has this effectively un- stoppable attack which is the jumping kick mm-hmm. right so the yeah missile kick exactly and this is what takes out goro you can beat goro like you can't really beat goro with any of the other characters oh. the way i played it uh, say, oh
1: poppycock
0: <laughs> well the way i played it goro just whooped my ass with every character except lu kang because lu kang had that missile kick right and i could stay away from him and just just fucking take him out Yep, Which the I the fireball
1: when you were in the back.
0: I really, honestly, once I discovered that missile kick, I didn't really give a shit about much else because I didn't need to. You know what I mean? And that maneuver in the version I was playing was basically unstoppable. So I end up beating the game before any of my friends wake up and I tell them about this later. The reason I tell that story is I remember in the theater when I saw it, and they have Johnny Cage beat Goro, I was like, that's not how you beat Goro. What? What? Liu Kang takes him out. That's why he's the chosen one. I won the game because he's the chosen one, and I won with that kick. That's, that's how you do it, right? You I was stupid like stupid assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so even then, I was like, they changed the story. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because the way he takes out Goro, I remind you, okay, Goro... Is um, is a stuntman in a suit who actually has a practical motor-operated upper torso of a man mounted on his shoulders, and he's doing actual combat with this thing. I mean, combat moves. Of course, he's not actually, you know, engaged yeah. in a full-on fight, but they're doing choreographed moves with this guy. They practical practical effects goro to me i think he looks great i i love the way he looks and he doesn't look like a a digital cartoon
1: no and honestly if it looked any other way i would think it was cheesy like it it fits the
0: tone of the film yeah like if they did goro as that 3d reptile it wouldn't have worked no would not have worked at all but The way they do them with the practical effects. And I mean, you can see these in behind the scenes documentaries and all of this because they do show the upper torso of Goro. There's even a um, uh, like an early sketch of them figuring out how to design this whole suit and everything. And uh, and it looks great. And this guy, right before he dies, takes a shot, falls down, does a does a roll. Yeah, does a forward roll. Does a like forward a roll and comes up onto his knees right next to the edge of this uh, platform that they're on. I mean, what I'm trying to emphasize here, once again, is the skill and technique of the people who were involved actually making this movie, you know? And it's... I, I Forgive me if it's offensive, but I think a lot of talent has been shoved to the wayside for a much lazier option, which is digital effects. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why so many movies are flopping these days. Poor script writing and the digital effects can't cover that flaw. And, it,
1: and I don't know if it's even for lack of trying because I think pretty much any artistic director wants to do practical effects. Mm-hmm. But there's only mm-hmm. like five that are allowed to because some of them cost money yeah like christopher nolan he could fucking do almost whatever he wants and he does mm-hmm. all of his shit practically
0: yeah yeah that is true so but um, he
1: is also christopher
0: nolan <laughs> well it's because he's got a track record of films that have performed very well no, and exactly that that's what him. that's
1: what i'm saying yeah but if he was not christopher nolan They would tell him to fucking cram it. We're not doing all that. You're doing it digitally. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because essentially, I mean, essentially, once you have your puzzle pieces, the individual scenes actually hard captured, so you've got your live actors, you've had your crew, you've done your principal photography. Once you've got those hard elements into your editing system, you really, you only need to pay your editor maybe a visual effects guy if your editor can't do the visual effects depending on what the scenes are the you know essentially you can practically if you do it correctly pay less in post-production to get similar results from what you would have to pay for in practical effects and then if you're doing, like, explosions and all of that, I mean, especially these days in the United States, it's really fucking hard to get pyro and get all of that cleared unless you've got multiple licenses for, you know, different types of um, uh, disciplines and that sort of thing. But um, Which you're
1: not getting unless
0: you're a name like Christopher Nolan. <laughs> well, no, I mean, specifically, if you are um, a stunt, uh, it's a, a technical director for stunts, right? For you to be able to um, kick off any sort of pyro effects or anything like that you have to be licensed to be able to get the actual uh, explosives that you're going to use you have to be licensed to be able to build what it is you're actually going to use to detonate those explosives then you also have to have whatever the connections are with the uh, fire department the local law enforcement and all of that That doesn't even include the permits and the insurance that you have to deal with. I mean, that's just the first few layers of bureaucracy before you even hire your talent to pull this shit off. Yeah, which,
1: again, you are not getting unless your name is Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was a time. Yeah, that's what we're saying, that there was a time when Mm -hmm. you you could still do that and you could still do it safely. Because Mm -hmm. nine times out of ten,
0: people didn't get hurt on sets like these. Exactly. And they didn't get hurt because they were the professionals who were all trained and capable to do that. Over the past 10, 20 years, that discipline is not getting passed down to younger generations. It just isn't. And so this is going to be why. Now, okay, there's a movie. um, There is, I believe, a trend, especially now with these uh, flops that have been consistently happening, where... I do believe that the look is going to be returning to practical effects, returning to lower budget production style and that sort of thing because let's, just, let's face it, there have been too many movies with budgets over $200 million that have not made back the money that they need. Any movie that's $200 million, you essentially need to make basically $800 million back to be able to start saying, okay, we're making reasonable profits. Because at that point now, everybody's been paid, right? So if you're looking at a budget, like say, okay, now we didn't like The Joker. Let's just be clear about that. But that movie had a budget of like what, $60 million? I have no idea. $50 million, somewhere in there. But it returned a massive, massive return from audiences It didn't even play in China. China was offended by the movie, wouldn't even play it. So without China, that movie still cleared over a billion dollars. So there is precedent that Hollywood can immediately point to, even with movies that are coming out like this this past summer. Like that Insidious movie had a budget of like $14 and it's already like, I mean... God, I, I don't even know what the final total is on that. But it's there was a point where it actually passed Indiana, Indiana Jones 5 in terms of box office take because people just didn't want to see that bullshit and they were willing to go watch some shitty horror movie instead. Other bullshit. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they literally had a choice of bullshit and between the two choices, they went with the low-budget horror movie rather than the huge, big-budget whatever-the-fuck, right? And I really honestly do think <clears throat> that whoever
1: like really figures that out besides mm-hmm. like you know your like a24 and your indie uh production companies right whoever figures out that hey maybe we should go back to making mid-budget like good movies yeah that are stories and not necessarily a
0: sequel to something yeah they are going to succeed yeah well think about it okay you got one movie with a 200 million dollar budget that's before marketing take that 200 million dollar budget break it down to five movies right? Each one has $40 million now that's available. And then, say you only do four movies so that you can shave a little bit more towards your marketing budget, right? Now you've got four movies that you can put out for the cost of that one fucking blockbuster movie, right? Now you've got four chances to not only make your money back, but hit that $100 million mark in in the return, which... At 40 million, basically, you'd still want to have about 100, 120 million, maybe 160, before you start really saying, "Okay, now we're in profit land and we're doing fucking great," right? But that's four chances to do that,
1: and with an original idea, and to bring us back, I guess, to our film that we have that we're talking about, which we haven't really talked about much. this was still a really big gamble, because it was one of the first yes. video game adaptation films that was made. Yeah. Because before this, there was, what, uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which fucking tanked, because it had nothing to do with we Super Mario Brothers. We need to Mario watch that. Oh, we need to watch It's that. hard to find,
0: buddy. Oh, dude. Believe but you me, i I've believe looked. that's Jackie Chan plays Chun-Li in that one. In yeah. the Super Mario Brothers? Oh, I don't remember. No, I know it's Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. I was thinking of Street Fighter. Yeah, yeah, Street Fighter. So Street Fighter or Super Mario Brothers, either one of those we should watch. But these were both examples of video game to movie uh, attempts. And just one of the first of the
1: that because you know video games by this time had gotten big, and what were the two at the time? I guess biggest, Mortal Kombat was huge. Massive. I, I don't know if anybody listening remembers 1995, but again, I was 10. That was like one of the biggest things in my world was Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. That's big. Arcades still existed. Mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat was massive. So when people heard that they were making a Mortal Kombat movie, mm-hmm. we looked up what? This movie had a budget of, was it 12 or 18 million? Doesn't 18, matter. Somewhere in there it pulled in we looked at that also was it like 130 million yeah.
0: or something like now you want to talk about a return on your investment that that is the type of shit that hollywood used to do i mean on and, a yearly basis you could see that kind of return two or three times and in and giving a it
1: to a very young director who yeah. we haven't even talked about paul w s anderson right who right. would later go on to uh Resident Evil. Yeah, to for another video game franchise, <laughs> but I
0: mean, which also, I mean, I'm not going to say the scripts are, are great. Are. I'm not going to say that they're brilliant movies. But in terms of, if they're, you just want to sit back with some eye candy for like an hour and a half and not think about anything, Resident Evil movie, they're they're, ju- they're fine.
1: Yeah, you they're, could make a worse choice. They, they honestly, they're pretty much exactly this. Yeah. Yeah. Turn yeah. your fucking brain off and stare at it. Mila Jovovich is going to be hot and she's going to shoot monsters. Fucking <laughs> sweet. What more could you ask for? And to the other point that I wanted to make, this film, and especially 1995, kind of in and of itself, kind of respected our time a little bit more than they do now. Because yes. I don't need to watch a two-hour and forty-minute Mortal Kombat movie. You got ninety minutes or so, yeah. And they did it, and that's why this movie keeps moving, yeah. Because there's not long pan shots. They're not trying to be, yeah, <laughs> artistic <laughs> in each individual shot. It's set decoration. Cool. Let's
0: throw up some purple and green lights. Yeah. On there this are fucking no monster statues. There... exactly. It looks cool as fuck, and that's all it needs to do. There are no monologues where a character wonders about why they do what they do, what their purpose is. Is this really what they should be doing with their lives? Ultimately, to find out that they had the power within them this whole time. They just didn't know it. Or whatever the bullshit is, right? No, Christopher Lambert's there to just explain everything. Yeah, the second you need...
1: In s- the creepiest way possible, every single time. <laughs>
0: no, the fate of the world relies on you <laughs> ah, sorry yeah. yeah i mean dude what what a weird performance you can tell christopher lambert he probably never saw the video game probably yeah, had, had no, no idea what?
1: what he was doing you want to pay me to do what yeah i'll, I'll be there yeah he was the like the fucking highlander
0: himself is lord yeah. Raiden. goddamn right yeah well i mean he literally probably was like okay the shoot's gonna be like two weeks at the most I'm going to make a ridiculous load of American dollars. I get to wear this cool robe and All this All I got to do wig. is walk around and make a couple poses? You don't even really want me to fight? And act like a real creep the entire time? <laughs> I mean, dude, who wouldn't want that role? Exactly. You know what I mean? He comes out in this uh, white, like Gandalf the White wig. You know he, he looks ridiculous, Brad, and it's the best. It's the best. This movie, I mean, I swear to god, it, it's when this this is why I brought it up, dude, was because I I just was I was thinking earlier today, okay, I got to pick a movie, have no idea, you know, um because that replicas one solid choice, dude. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, what can I do to top that?" And I happened to see this triple feature And I was like, oh, man, we haven't done any Mortal Kombat. This is going to be... I can't wait. I hope Chris has not seen this recently, right? That was my only real fear. There's no way
1: that that is a possibility, (laughs) Brad.
0: How well do we know each other? You know I've watched Mortal Kombat fairly recently. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. That's what I was worried about. But that DVD was a triple feature thing. So I figured, okay, if you saw one... Maybe you haven't seen one of these other ones, but anyway, it all worked out just fine. I still think we should do Annihilation because, you know, that's where you get the centaur in there, the half man, half horse guy who clearly just has, like, a, a CG horse oh, oh, yeah. ass on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and movie rules, And immediately
1: it opens with James
0: Remar as Raiden, and you're like, oh, that's not Christopher yeah. Lambert. <laughs> what happened to Christopher Lambert? <laughs> well, he's a god. He can take on any form he chooses. So now he's James Remar, who, by the way, mm-hmm. great fucking actor. I love James yeah. Remar. Yeah, hell yeah. When they... uh. Moved from Lambert to him, they did not trade down. No, they you know I I met mean? an upgrade. Yeah, which at least
1: is... James Remar doesn't sound weird. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to Christopher Lambert, he can't help it. That's just well, what yeah. his voice sounds like, but it sounds fucking
0: weird. But I mean, Christopher Lambert, I mean, I was thinking about this as we were watching it today. He does so much of this whispering. And you know, he doesn't really have to. And I don't know what that accent is. My accent is not even close to Christopher Lambert's no. because his is weird as fuck. Yeah, it is. It's, a very like, mu- it's like a combination
1: of two, like. Yeah, two it, or three a, languages. Eastern and Western European. Yeah. In a yeah. weird mishmash uh-huh. that also doesn't sound right for what it should be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like as his mouth moves and he speaks, you're like. It's like when you hear
1: anyone from South Africa talk and you're like, that's not a voice. Yeah, What the the fuck is that?
0: (laughs) I understand there's movement. I see the mouth. The words sound strange, though. (laughs) Is this person actually speaking or is this some sort of weird overdub? But, I mean, uh, I just I love his performance in there. Can we talk about uh, Sonya Blade? Yes. Okay. Sonya Blade... Now, this actress who was she again? She is I
1: again I forget her actual name, but she is the teacher from Billy Madison. Fantastic. Okay. Alright, cool. And right around the same era as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Pete Sampras's
0: wife. <laughs> tennis legend Pete Sampras. Lucky bastard. Now, Sonia, as she's written, I buy her. You know? Yeah, it's the fine. only thing that I, I would have thought, now I get the casting because she does look uh, She looks video game Sony accurate. Blade. Yeah, she looks video game accurate. The only thing that I wish was that they had spent a little bit more time with the fight choreography with her and maybe uh, toning her up just a little bit. Yeah, you know?
1: her her fight is definitely the weakest, but also yeah. that's not why you cast her. But well, yeah, was, that you cast
0: her because a... of those short shorts and the tank top that she's in. God bless her, you know? And the cavewoman outfit that they put her in yeah. at the end where they do the 80s. The tease. sheena of the wild.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh.
0: They they do that '80s rat nest hairstyle and just really blow out her hair, which was always you know back in a in a tight ponytail for the whole front of the movie. So she looks, she looks like this weird sort of uh, '80s or late '70s cave girl Uh kind of thing. (laughs) It's like, what happened? (laughs) Yeah, and that's
1: one of the things that I wanted to talk about because this movie does make very interesting choices, and it's one one of those things that i always harp on if you're gonna make a movie weird silly and not believable don't make it boring make inter- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> make interesting choices like for no reason putting Sonya blade in a cavewoman outfit yeah why was she there why did we have a scene where kano the man with the metal face is mouthing off to the forearm demon yeah that he's just sitting at a table with
0: yeah yeah and how is he not impressed at all at this four-armed <laughs> demon who's twice his size yeah he is a general in the outworld yeah and kano's just like oh i'm a bit of a leader a boss myself in the underworld <laughs> i'll tell you me is yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous <clears throat> but okay that actor playing kano i buy kano yeah he's a scumbag yeah I mean, that actor leans into the role. There, there is not a performance in these movies. Even with Sonya Blade and how I think the fight is a little bit weak, there's not a performance where I'm like, those actors are 100% committed to trying to pull this off. And here's you know? the thing, in a film like this, I don't
1: need you to be fucking Marlon Brando. Don't. Please, ham it up. We're making fucking Mortal Kombat, for Christ's
0: sake. Well, you know, and that Johnny Cage, that actor who played Johnny Cage, that's what you got with him, was he leaned into the comedy side of it, is I'm going to be the, you know, the, um, the wisecracking guy, uh-huh. you know. Liu Kang, he's got a, a couple of bits where he can make a joke and all of that. These characters are written as people. So they're reacting to things. So Liu Kang is not this stoic warrior, I've only got one face. Of that. No, he's there, he's cracking jokes with everybody else and all of that. I mean, they're presented as people. Sure, they're martial artists, but they're still people, you know?
1: But also, I appreciate that at no point did they try to keep it grounded. At no point <laughs> did any of the characters really go on about like, Hey, are we in a different realm? Where the fuck are we? This is insane. What in the goddamn hell is happening? It's, oh shit, that guy just uh, turned a man into a flying icicle and he shattered
0: against what looks like a stage. Yeah, yeah, the reactions to that. Okay, first of all, once again, hats off to uh, the guy playing Johnny Cage. Because when the icicle thing breaks, the actor who's playing... um, it's not Jax, but it's it's um I think um, that is Jax, isn't it? He no, have because the metal they arms. show Jax in the in Oh yeah, and he had that cool flat top. He wasn't bald. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know and who he, that guy is. Jax appears in the sequel, Mortal Kombat yeah. Annihilation. But this guy yeah, I forget his name, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't but know who he is. <laughs> he's he's just some friend of theirs. But, you know, this is the other thing. I forgot to say this before, but in the dining sequence, when they're flipping over all the tables, there are three tables full of warriors there for the tournament. We really only follow, like, maybe four or five people. And all of these other people are just, like, random body count people. But. These are all people who basically, you know, they're there for martial arts and to do stunts and that sort of thing. So even when they're clearing the room, throwing these tables. Uh, so, all right. Icicle gets thrown, kills the guy. Johnny is like, wow, okay, whatever. That was weird. That other dude standing <laughs> next to him, his face never changes. He's like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> And I got a, what? And then he's the first guy who goes up against Goro and gets his ass handed to him. He gets fucking Apollo creed like, right away. Yeah, exactly. The poor bastard. I mean, he tries. He gets two kicks in. Yep. Two good kicks against Goro. They show Goro reacting to that. And then Goro just basically catches both of his hands in two of his hands and then uses the other two hands to just club the (laughs) fuck out of him. Until he... I mean, they call it a flawless victory. Technically, it's not. it's not. But it's still... This This poor bastard never had a chance. No. You know? He just gets the absolute Christ beat out of him.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and Goro then...
1: punches his soul out of his body. <laughs> like, it's incredible.
0: Yeah. Such a great movie.
1: And again... And none of our other three characters, Johnny Cage, Sonya, or Liu Kang, really seem
0: plus by this whatsoever. Yeah, well, now with him, they do have Sonya go no because he was kind of friends with them. So that one, when he dies, Johnny does react to that. He's like going no, nah! no, nah, it's awful as well, you know. But still, the whole thing about sucking the souls out, they don't really react to that. When they get to the outer world, Johnny's like, so this is the outer world, huh?
1: Not all of that, yeah.
0: (laughs) And, like, I wouldn't want to live here or something like that. And you're like, are you kidding me? You guys are on a completely different dimension, and this is the most of a reaction we're going to get out of you guys. Wow. This this is literally the most
1: important thing that has ever happened to you, and you're fucking cracking wise. You want to take this
0: seriously a little bit, Johnny Cage? The most astonishing experience you could have in your own personal life your own personal existence and
1: i love that they are just
0: like huh weird
1: i forget what is it uh shang sung takes is it katana Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. raiden just shows up for a minute is just like oh i
0: can't go over there but you guys should yeah (laughs)
1: that's it it's like well why the
0: fuck are you here then beyond that realm i cannot go but you guys, you should go. You should go. You should go. It's okay. Yeah. I'll I'll wait here till you come like, back. When they
1: get to the you fucking me gigantic <laughs> dining hall and everybody's inside and they're closing the doors and we just see Lord Raiden hanging out outside. Like, what yeah. are you doing?
0: Yeah. And then, now this is why we can't point to to the quality of the script because probably about... Ten minutes later, we see him in the castle and he's having a dialogue with our heroes. And yeah, it's like, well, hanging out. you said you couldn't go in there. We saw them shut the doors on you. How the fuck are you getting in here now? What what are you doing? Right. Because yeah, uh, uh, Shang Tsung just keeps
1: sending hordes of villains after uh, our heroes when he's yeah. not supposed to be like. Yeah, that's treachery. It's rigging the tournament. There's at
0: least twice that Raiden shows up and has to be like, ah, 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 ah. No, no, no. Yeah, that's it. Not against Like, we joked about this, but I still think this would be fantastic is if Raiden just pulled out a paper scroll that was like... (laughs) 15 feet long and was like here in clause 15 subset E part 1 10, paragraph 5 and just uses his brilliant accent to guide us through exactly where the fucking bureaucratic clause is you know
1: because at one point and this is where it does get confusing and again points to bad writing which again in the Mortal Kombat movie is fine. who cares right but yeah at <laughs> one point Shang Tsung and Johnny Cage just strike up a back alley deal yeah yeah, yeah. Which later
0: goes on to just completely eliminate the point of having a tournament. <laughs> yeah, because even then Raiden shows up. He's like, "Oh no, you can't do that." And shang Tsung is like, "Deals a deal. It's done. Get the fuck out of here." Hey
1: man, I talked to this dude over here once.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that makes it binding. It doesn't matter that we're talking about uh the a annihilation tournament. of Earth. <laughs> This is a thousand-year-old tournament, and, you know, technically I'm immortal, but I'm going to make a deal with this mortal who has no idea what the fuck we're talking about. And it's going to be legal and binding, and Raiden can't do anything about it. All right. So,
1: one of my favorite choices, and I never noticed it until watching it with you when we were cracking jokes, is how little Liu Kang pays attention to anything going on
0: around him. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah, he literally, he basically walks through most of the scenes, and then when there's a uh, a physical challenge, he's able to, you know, respond to yep. that as the martial artist that he is. But in terms, again, we don't have deep monologues about anything. The only thing we get from Liu Kang is that he's there to avenge his brother. He doesn't really believe in all of the mysticism and end-of-the-world stuff until he does... And the minute that he believes that he's the chosen one, he's able to free his brother's soul, which is what he wanted to do. So
1: I just love that there's the entire scene when they're on the way to the island, where Christopher Lambert's explaining everything. Yeah, and he gets done and thirty seconds later, they're on the beach, and Luke Kang is asking Johnny Cage but, well, what are we doing here? <laughs> and Johnny Cage is like, about? I don't know. Yeah, like, <laughs> we,
0: You just showed us him listening to all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. We were joking right then. Weren't you there last night? Yeah. I know you were there. I saw you there again, with us. You
1: are on your way to a mystical <laughs> island and you know, when you are about to fight for the future of mankind mm-hmm. and your brother's soul. Mm-hmm. Fucking pay attention. <laughs> This is the second time you've been explained this and he still has no idea what's
0: going on. Well, and it's the third time because over at the the monastery. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm saying. That's uh, the
0: second that was the first and on the boat is the second time that he was explained this. <laughs> oh man. And then okay. So for brevity with character, right? Liu Kang, I everything that I described with Liu Kang is essentially how it's presented. There are no monologues about it or anything like that. The first shot with Liu Kang is he's got a telegram. Not a voicemail, <laughs> nothing. <Yeah. laughs> Email didn't even exist really at that time. He's and got a fucking telegram, after, not an envelope.
1: After he sees his brother murdered by Shang Tsung in He his has a dreams. nightmare. <laughs>
0: yeah, he has a nightmare. His brother is dead. He wakes up. He looks at a telegram. It literally says, Liu Kang, your brother's dead. Return home, Grandpa. That's all it says. Yep. You're like, okay, sure. Keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, let's we... go. Get into the boat. I understand that. <laughs> let's let's keep going.
1: Easily, Brad. Easily. This might be one of the greatest moments in movie history. <laughs> is during the final fight when he is fighting Shang Tsung above the uh, spike pit. Yeah. Or the spike uh, logo for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> right. Right. Three feet in front of him, this magical sorcerer turns into his brother, and he is bewildered. (laughs) He's like, has no idea how to react, and has
0: a conversation with his brother. He literally says, Chan, is that you? (laughs) Chan's like, yeah. Yeah, sure is, man. Yeah, how you doing? We haven't talked in a while. And Liu Kang literally has a conversation with him, like it's his brother, until he goes no, wait, you you can't be my brother. My brother's dead. I'm here to avenge him. And it's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> you just saw Shang Tsung change. And you know that's not your brother. He was standing with his back to you, three feet in front of you, mm-hmm. and he
1: changed not only in the facial structure, but in height, everything.
0: That <clears throat> motherfucker was wearing a black leather coat. Uh-huh. And... He shrank in size, changed his clothes, and assumed the form of your brother right in front of you. And you're still asking, John, is that you? And you (laughs) clearly
1: were not paying attention whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I think
0: think that is the height, the pinnacle of Liu Kang not paying attention. But, I mean, hell, the story's got to go forward somehow, right? And this is the moment where the hero recognizes that he truly is the chosen one, the only individual who can combat the bad guy. So even as ham-fisted as this scene is, I still like it Mm -hmm. because you still see him. And again, we're not looking for Brando or De Niro or anything. But you can see Liu Kang actually make the decision. And actually move into this next uh, level of his his uh, confidence in himself, that sort of thing. And he goes on and he beats the bad guy the way he should, the way heroes are written, you know. So this whole confrontation thing with the brother, as absurd as we've just pointed out, <laughs> the scene is. It actually, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm okay. You know, he goes on, beats the shit out of Shang Song. <laughs>
1: Yeah, throws him in his logo spike pit,
0: which... Now, what I loved about that, though, Shang Tsung... There are multiple spikes laid out within this logo of the Mortal Kombat logo. Yeah, the Mortal
1: Kombat dragon, yeah.
0: Yeah, the dragon. All of the spikes are in the dragon design, though, which is important because when Shang Tsung hits the ground, somehow, with all of these spikes, he manages to only land on one spike... That comes up through his chest, kills him, uh, you know, blows his heart out, all of that stuff. But he mainly is on the part of the logo. There's no spikes there, like on his head or anything like that. The one spike that might have got him, he's opened up his legs. So it's between his legs. So there's really only, Shang Tsung falls into a pit of spikes and only hits one spike. Goddamn right. How the fuck? (laughs) i mean that is just wonderful uh choreography artistic design you know we only really need one to kill him man i don't know but there's something about me that's a bit more bloodthirsty. i think i would have liked to have seen two or three more spikes through him or something like that just to know that the bad guy got it you know
1: i I do want to say because we haven't really talked about her much the fucking uh Princess Kitana, Luke Kang
0: Talisa Soto. Fucking rules, dude. Dude, it's a good fight. You can tell. Now, I don't know if Talisa Soto had um, actual authentic martial arts training, but she definitely had some sort of body movement, dance, some sort of training beforehand because she handles that choreography very well
1: it's kind of like when we were talking about uh three musketeers and like mm-hmm. well yeah nobody else clearly did but it looks like Kiefer sutherland actually put in the work yeah it looked like she put in the work to actually be able to pull yeah. off some of these moves because yeah they are quick cut there's a few that are in slow-mo and mm-hmm. you could tell like okay well we can't do this full speed because it doesn't look right so right just right get the move right we'll slow it down right otherwise she does really really well <laughs> Yeah, and there are
0: a lot of good fights in this movie. Yeah, I mean, the choreography... (laughs) (laughs) Unlike um, the multiple ball shot that we talked about in Passenger 57, uh, the, the choreography that's done in this plays to the characters. It plays to the choreography that you saw in the video game itself. Mm -hmm. You know, there were a lot of elements to this where you could tell that they paid attention to what they felt the audience would want to see
1: in this movie. And you know what? They are absolutely right. There is nothing that I have ever wanted more than to watch Goro get punched right in the sack (laughs) by Johnny Cage. Does Does the splits like he does in the game and just rocks Goro's ball bag.
0: Yeah, and I mean, dude... So I know I said it earlier about you know Liu Kang and all of that stuff. When I saw that in the movie, even though I had that moment, I was like, "Well, that's <laughs> a legit Johnny Cage move, though. It he sure does is. that in the video game, or yeah, in the video game. So why wouldn't he do that to Goro? It's probably his best only chance to really survive. So again, you know, choreography, character pers- specific, I fucking
1: buy it." Dude, you know. that fight with Johnny Cage and Scorpion in the forest? Yeah. That is, That's one of my favorites. That is one of the... If we're looking at just the
0: actual directing and shot setup, that is fantastic. The visual style for that forest sequence, to me, is captivating. The way that they're able to use what a forest that was clearly... Um,
1: It's a man-made forest It's in rows. Thank you. That's what I'm trying
0: to say. Yeah, clearly it's a man-made forest. It's a real forest. It's not CG bullshit, but it was clearly designed so they set their camera angles to take advantage of those rows and to create interesting compositions that you – a lesser artistic design – would have just been like, "Ah, yeah, fuck it, here are some trees." You yeah, know, during the scrolling
1: trees. dolly shot through the rows of trees. It I love looks that. Looks fucking
0: great, man. Yeah. yeah, and even when he's running and the thing is chasing him through, you get kind of a um, um, you know, you get the POV shot with it going through. Um, there were just a lot of elements that I thought were really fucking cool. Even the ending. Okay, so I'd say I do want to
1: point out too they kind of do a uh, I just thought of this, the Nightmare on Elm Street move where uh, Freddy jumps out from behind the white yeah. pole that he couldn't have been, yeah. like he wouldn't have fit behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scorpion does that from behind a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of appears and it's fucking great. Yeah. yeah, And Again, that goes seamlessly into he throws up the portal and they end up on that rickety uh uh, I really liked the visual
0: effect with that portal as well. I thought it not only did it emulate the video game, but just that sort of ripple effect. very uh, quick, simple, but you understand immediately what what had happened had happened there. And then yeah, we're in a sound stage. we're in a controlled environment now, so we could really wreck the place if we want to. And again, the scaffolding that they constructed. You know that shit's authentic, you know? And what I was saying
1: when we were watching it, when we were saying something about how, like, well, you wouldn't see this in a movie now. You might, but there's the parts where, like, they slam each other onto the floor of this. Yeah. They're not breaking each other through, you know, uh, layers of buildings or anything, right. like superhero films. Right. It's still sort of grounded, I guess, in like in an actual martial arts fight they hit the fucking scaffolding dust comes out the bottom
0: yeah exactly (laughs) those those bits of authenticity there and um and like again it gives they're not on yeah but they're not on harnesses they're not moving like um like um the wires like in any any of these um uh Hong Kong movies, or even in the more recent uh, Matrix movies, or that sort of stuff, where they really started to rig people up and all of that, this was before that. So, when Johnny Cage is swinging on this fucking scaffold, like, 15, 20, 30 feet up in the air, however high that scaffold was, he was doing that, authentic, with no safety line. And that's the actor who was doing that. I mean fuck they wouldn't let that happen these days it just wouldn't and, happen
1: and it, we haven't mentioned either throughout the entire scaffolding scene mm. just bitch metal they yeah. understood what they were doing they understood what
0: you want from mortal kombat yeah the soundtrack the soundtrack to this movie i think really helped To make the whole fucking movie happen. Because every time... I mean... Mortal Kombat! It's like a
1: transition in between scenes sometimes.
0: Oh, yeah. Fight's over,
1: you hear the scream.
0: Fight starts, you hear the scream. (laughs) You know? Who gives a shit? Hell yeah. It doesn't matter because the whole idea is to keep the action going, keep the audience engaged, not keep them bored. And you're right. That soundtrack... That's a huge part of it. Even some of the ancillary effects, like remember when um, Kano's mowing down on that turkey yeah. leg? <laughs> throws the turkey leg and you hear not only the turkey leg crash, but you hear some sort of monster like, rah, 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 and yeah. it's, it sounds pissed, right? <laughs> it sounds like he just hit a living thing with a turkey leg. Yeah. Which is and now
1: eating it because it's... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It didn't exactly need to what be there. I was
0: going to say, dude. Is it didn't need to be there. They did that for us. <laughs> exactly. And they could have gone with the real easy like a cat meow, or any like pissed off animal sound. No, they carry it for another two or three it seconds. It like sounds like a this fucking thing, Star
1: Wars alien. <laughs>
0: it not only reacts to being hit by this thing, it responds. And there, and Kano's just sitting there like he doesn't give a fuck. He probably never knew that that effect was going to be in there. It doesn't matter because the way that they lay it in is so fucking smart. It, it just complements the whole scene. Now that is great, and great here, design. Here's
1: one thing that I do want to note because mm. it's something that I have in the chamber for, it'll come out before this, but here's the thing. It, it kind of shows a basic understanding of filmmaking because generally speaking in a scene, you don't want a character eating
0: mm. Mm -hmm.
1: but you especially if they're going to be eating give them something that they can eat quickly and then deliver their lines Mm. because there is nothing that bothers me more than watching a movie where somebody's talking with food in their mouth (laughs) it bothers the shit out of me and like to see a character eating and then like yeah have him swallow his whatever food or not even really take a bite
0: so he can deliver a fucking line yeah Well, I liked the way they did it with Kano, though, because there are those moments... Yeah, he's a
1: greasy, slovenly fuckface. Because they're letting
0: the food fall out of his mouth. It opens with him just slurping wine. (laughs) Yeah. In the most disgusting manner. Even the caption says slurp, slurp which I fucking love. But but, there's this great moment where uh, Goro gets in his face and they have like this little sort of tense moment and Shang Tsung comes in and kind of breaks up the tense moment and everything and they do this overhead like from Shang Tsung's perspective looking down at Kano and Kano he's just looking up right with this dumb look on his face but as he's looking up about half a second before they cut away from him this big hunk of turkey falls out (laughs) of his mouth and I'm just like, that's so fucking brilliant. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? What a slop. He's just been called a Cretan. He's looking like an idiot, and food just drops out of his mouth. I he mean, he's covered in turkey grease.
1: <laughs> he, is, he might be the greasiest thing in this movie in that scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, fight with Sonya, meh. But overall, character, great. Yeah. Yep. He rules. Now, anything else you want to bring up here?
1: Uh, honestly, I think I'm out.
0: Yeah, this I think. This movie's fucking uh,
1: fantastic.
0: Yeah, and uh, I know we've said that multiple, multiple times. Hopefully, we have at least convinced you, if you haven't seen it, to check it out because, I mean, dude, it's,
1: <laughs> it's yeah. worthwhile. Here's the thing <laughs> it ain't going to change your life. Oh, no. You're not watching The Fucking Godfather. No, no, Unclench no. Unclench no. your butthole and just watch Mortal Kombat. It fucking rules. <laughs> <laughs> and on that happy note. Yeah.
0: What Brad, else you got going, Chris?
1: Uh, not a whole lot. If you're listening to this, you're probably listening to it where you can find the horror vomit stuff. So we do that. Yes, yes. Uh, we are working on some other stuff. We now have the, uh, uh, availability to do video stuff <laughs> so we might be working on some of that uh you can watch me intermittently stream diablo on twitch at horror underscore vomit underscore chris dig it very cool um, at some point we'll have a zine oh, it, that's a matter right. of uh collecting funds because making things isn't free
0: right right well we can give
1: them away for free but that doesn't mean we got them
0: for free (laughs) right well that's a whole other ball of wax yeah yeah, that's to
1: the same end when people bitch about uh ads on youtube like no that's how people get paid Mm -hmm. you shut the fuck up and you watch your ads Mm -hmm. because otherwise they can't
0: make this thing that you like you know that channel that you subscribe to or you should be subscribing to because you like their videos they actually get paid because of the ads it's not just the amount of clicks the amount of clicks determines the amount of the ad watching and it's the ad watching that gets the revenue that's why people get pissed when they get demonetized yep so, but then again, you know.
1: Just saying, shit ain't free. So if we, if yeah. we ever have a product to give out, I w- we will probably give it out for free. However, it was not free for us. <laughs> Sons of right. bitches. So if well, we're a little bit behind on a thing we said we were going to do, we're fucking working on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no matter what, just know uh, wheels are always turning. Sometimes they may turn slowly, but the wheels do turn. So, uh, yeah. Like, like Journey said. Like Steve Perry told us, hmm. "Wheel in the Sky." Wheel in and the Sky. We don't
1: need to do that. <laughs> we can just leave it at that. You don't need to sing "Journey" at me. Hey, Brad. Well, it was just hey, what do impulsive? you got going
0: on? Um. Well, interesting. Um. Okay. So fundraiser no longer happening. You know, union. Um. Yeah. strikes and we're, things and all of that we're sort not of stuff. supposed
1: to be doing this right now we're rebels well
0: um yeah and basically my my uh consideration with this is that by the time this ultimately comes out likely the strike is going to be over anyway mm-hmm. and um we have a number of um shows that are already um not only done for people to listen to but In terms of this video production thing, trying to work that into the pipeline, I think that's my next big project. I did get that tower, so um, the next thing that (laughs) I'm doing... Me too!
1: Yes!
0: (laughs) Ah, well, that's news we can share. We both have been able to... We bought
1: new pewters! (laughs)
0: Yep, we're both now able to up our technology game in a big way, which is fantastic. So, um... So... (laughs) We won't, but we could. Well, I do have some ambitions in particular directions and uh some of that does involve taking HPV and um and spreading it to everyone. As much as possible in as many formats as possible and in as many uh online sites and even maybe some hard copies, yeah in terms of like t-shirts or logos or whatever that sort of uh, graphic design crap that we can do more of this stuff is going to be rolling out in the next couple of months though because hey if i'm not doing the campaign fundraiser i gotta be doing something with my life or you know life's going to be too boring and and, and do not mistake we are not crossing
1: that picket line whatsoever not at all nothing will be happening as far as on brad's end. i am not a member of sag so i'm free to do whatever but I still probably will not.
0: Yeah. I um on that note I did see something that under certain conditions even with the strike happening there are certain things that they are going to allow actors to do. Um what the details are of that actually what that may be I haven't looked into it enough no matter what I'm not crossing my union ultimately with this we're just talking about movies but this uh, clearly, obviously, if you're hearing this now, you know we're not releasing this until after the strike's over. So there you go. That's, the, that's basically what we're doing. We're still creating that content, but we're also going to uh, honor those people who are actually on the picket lines right now.
1: Yeah, we are very much pro-union here. We will not cross that line. Correct. Fuck you. Support your local unions.
0: Support the unions. Please, please support the unions a bunch of cunts. (laughs) Take care. (laughs)